Investment products are not FDIC-insured, not a bank guarantee, and may lose value. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Good afternoon and welcome to the March 2019 Eye on the Market Energy podcast. Uh, This is one of the projects we do here that I enjoy the most. Uh, We write an energy paper every year that's a deep dive on several topics in the the worlds of energy and climate. Vaclav Smil at the University of Manitoba serves as our technical advisor. Uh, Interesting topics to discuss this year, as you might imagine. Uh, First, we get into a little bit of a preamble on the whole concept of the Green New Deal. So before I tell you what I think, I want to tell you this. The International Energy Agency has a sustainable development scenario for the U.S. in which the following occurs. U.S. overall energy use declines back to levels last seen in 1988. Solar generation grows by a factor of 11. Wind grows by a factor of 5. No nuclear power plants are decommissioned or shut down even when their licenses expire. There's a 90% decline in coal use for power and heat because the industrial sector switches to solar thermal and geothermal energy. Electric vehicles, currently 1% to 2% today, uh, reach 40 to 50% of the passenger fleet. Oil use declines by 50% because of electric vehicles and a 40% improvement in mileage per gallon. Uh, another massive 60% decline in truck CO2 emissions per ton of freight. And the energy intensity of residential homes and commercial buildings declines by 30%. In this completely transformational scenario, which would require a Herculean, unprecedented effort to accomplish, uh, U.S. CO2 emissions would go down by about 40% by 2030. The Green New Deal suggests that we can get to zero net emissions by 2030. Uh, So uh, for that reason, um, we agree with uh, Vaclav that This Green New Deal goal is not possible. It doesn't appear grounded in any existing scholarship on energy decarbonization, and it's not really a useful foundation for any serious policy discussion. At best, it's a slogan to galvanize support for change, and at worst, worst, it's a sign of just how little work all of its proponents have actually done. So with that... Uh, This year's paper, uh, energy paper, gets into the detail of where energy comes from, how it's used, and the executive summary reviews some of the decarbonization challenges facing the world's industrialized and emerging economies. Uh, And then in terms of the specific topics that we cover, we cover the issue of decarbonization of industry. The industrial sector is the largest sector globally in terms of energy use. Uh, Decarbonization hasn't happened much at all. And we get into the question of why can't renewable uh, electricity uh, generate more industrial heat and pressure rather than direct fossil fuel use. And then we get into a whole issue of mountains versus molehills. The media has reported with a lot of excitement on issues related to carbon sequestration through forests and in underground geological storage, uh, the issue of cellulosic ethanol, new generations of lithium-ion batteries and supercapacitors for distributed energy storage, new ways to, con- to create aluminum. Uh, we, we have a new mountains versus molehill section where we analyze just how impactful some of these things are going to be, uh, grading them each from 1 to 5 in terms of their capacity to deliver real decarbonization changes over the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, bottom line, 
uh, is that more of the scores were lower rather than higher, uh, and uh, there are some interesting simple parallels we use to explain why. Uh, we also get into a dispassionate assessment of Germany's Energewende transition. I think it's really important to understand what's happening in Germany. Uh, they are shooting for 65% renewable electricity generation uh, and are one of the only countries in the world uh, trying to do so uh, without substantial use of hydropower. Uh, if you look, there's probably about 15 or 20 countries around the world that already have renewable shares of electricity above 50% or even above 70%. Uh, and uh, with the exception of Denmark, all of these countries rely not exclusively but almost exclusively on a combination of hydropower and geothermal. Uh, and so understanding how Germany is going to get there uh, through wind, solar, uh, and biomass I think is an important exercise for other large uh, developing or developed countries that try to do the same thing. Uh, the bottom line is that the costs have been high and the challenges, both financial and political, that remain are pretty steep. Uh, we, lastly, we get into some analysis of the latest wildfire research, which gets into the question of just how much of the wildfire severity that we've been seeing in recent years is due to man-made climate change, how much of it is due to natural, natural, natural causes, how much of it is due to fire suppression approaches, how much of it is due uh, not so much to human uh, climate change, but to human migration patterns in terms of moving uh, into fire-prone areas and things like that. It's an interesting brief three-page section that you could take a look at. And we conclude with a one-pager on Trump's war on science, in which he is arguably making the American government scientifically illiterate again. And you can, uh, on one page, look at all of the evidence uh, that has been cited in a recent paper as to why that may be the case. If you've only got a brief period of time, uh, just take a look at the executive summary. The first three pages walk through where energy comes from, how it's used, and some of the major challenges uh, facing the world's economies as they aim to decarbonize over the next, let's say, 20 to 30 years. The key issue to understand here is that electricity is only 17% of global energy consumption. So that even if the world were to figure out a way to substantially decarbonize electricity generation through much higher penetration of renewables, and wind, solar, hydro, and, and nuclear, depending upon how you think about it, um, that would make a much smaller dent on overall global greenhouse gas emissions than you'd think. Uh, again, because electricity is only, you know, let's say 15 to 20 percent of, of total energy consumption. The rest of energy consumption is coming from vehicles and by homes and buildings and the largest piece by the industrial sector uh, and, and understanding how direct fossil fuels feed into those sectors and how they use those really gives you a better understanding uh, of the limits of decarbonizing just the electricity grid uh, by itself. Here's one way to think about it. Even if renewable energy rose to 50% of all electricity generation, right, um, fossil fuels could still represent 70% of total energy use unless there's a lot of decarbonation in both the transportation and industrial sectors as well. So um, take a look at the executive summary, and at the end of the executive summary, there are some links 
that you can use to read about the individual topics. Um, we have hard copies of, uh, we have a handful of hard copies of this report for anybody that wants them. So you can contact your uh, sales coverage if you want to see that. And I look forward to talking to many of you again in April about some general market and investment developments. Thank you very much and have a great day. Michael Semblist's Eye on the Market offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. Michael Semblist is the chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments Incorporated, a member of FINRA. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as a solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information, which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com disclaimer eotm.